A big thank you to our sponsor, iFixit, who fights for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides. It's iFixit's 20th anniversary this year, and to celebrate, they're offering you $20 off of a purchase of $100 or more with the promo code MERCURY20 until the end of this January. Happy fixin'! Mercury, Mercury Stardust She's a beacon of hope in the darkest night Mercury, Mercury Stardust She'll teach you how to make it all alright Hey there, hi, my name is Mercury and I'm the trans handy ma'am My pronouns are she, her, and I teach compassionate DIY We're here to help renters, LGBTQIA members, and anyone who's feeling left out in the DIY space Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Handyman Hotline. As always, I am joined by the wonderful Maggie Conrad. Happy New Year. <sighs> yeah! <laughs> oh my God, Maggie, you're amazing! Maggie, they're so into you this New Year. <laughs> How are you doing, Maggie? I'm good. I'm happy to be back. Um, it was, you know, it's the holidays and I'm a mom and so it was a little crazy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I love making that holiday magic for the little guy. Yeah. And then, you know, going back to normal life and being a human being again. <laughs> yeah. For those who do not know, Maggie is the, a wonderful mother to an amazing child. Um, and I love him very much. And he loves you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little Izzy is just, every time he sees me, he's always just like, I don't know. Am I like his fairy godmother? He's like enamored with you. Because <laughs> he'll list off our family members and he'll say like, Nana, Baba, Mercury, you know, Aunt Lala. <laughs> I I think for, uh, I think next year for Christmas, what we should do is I should show up as a, with, with a Santa Claus outfit on. <laughs> and I will like in the middle of the night, I'll break into your home uh, <laughs> and I will put presents underneath the Christmas tree. <laughs> And we can set it up with Izzy just happens to be walking into the other room. And there I am, eating some cookies and milk. Oh, um, my God. He would lose yeah, That shit. would be so funny. Also, I just really want an excuse to buy a really cute Santa, Santa outfit. I actually have one, ironically enough. I have, like, a little Mrs. Claus outfit. She's, oh she's the real star of the show. Oh, anyway. yeah. She, you know, she's doing so much work. You know, she's doing taxes for him, probably. Yeah, I bet it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maggie, are you ready to answer some cues? Yeah, let's do it. Let's answer those cues. Hello, my name is Lee. My pronouns are they, them. So my partner and I live in a little apartment, and our oven has a glass door. Now, the glass has come detached from the oven door, and we have no idea how to fix it. The glass is still being held on by the handles, but the oven's not retaining heat as well as we would like it to. So we were wondering, what is a quick DIY workaround? Because maintenance told us we should just ask for a new stove. I have two cats, and I feel like that would be really distressing for my poor fur babies to have to deal with that. So just what is the best quick fix? Because there's got to be a better way than just leaving the oven door hanging off by itself. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thank you, Lee, for calling in. That's a really wonderful question because it gives me an opportunity to talk about how to find these answers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all of these ovens, appliances, dishwashers, washers, dryers, all this stuff, right? Um, all of them will have a model and a part um, number somewhere on there, like a serial number, right? 
Um, I contacted Lee. I reached mm-hmm. back out to Lee, and I texted um, them back and forth, and I got the model number and the design. It's a, a Mana um, makes, makes a specific oven. So mm-hmm. it's called a Mana. I don't know how to actually say it. Amana. Uh, yeah, Amana? Is it Amana? Okay. Yeah, Pff, boy. <laughs> I'm so good with words, I Maggie. Know. I'm just making it up, too. I'm so good with words. But it, it, uh, they also sent me a picture of mm-hmm. the actual serial number. And everything on it, and also the model number. And I, I googled that. I took that mm-hmm. number with the name of the company, and I added it to Google to find the manual. Yeah. Once I found the manual, then I could find how the door itself comes off, and then I could double check everything. And basically, it was just making sure all the specs were going to line up and all that stuff. So the next part of it was going to make sense. And a good thing is it all lines up. This is all stuff that's possible to do. The, the things I'm going to tell you actually could work for this oven and i already sent this over to lee and i hope lee is listening to this and the problem is already solved or they're on the way to solve it hopefully but that being said what we found is that you can detach this oven door fairly easy the manual will tell you exactly how to do that it does a step-by-step i think there's like a eight steps of how to do it it shows you exactly how to do it in there and it works out pretty good once you take that oven door off there's two things you could do a you don't need to replace the whole stupid oven. Most <laughs> apl- most apartment complexes or um, property management companies will have one specific brand of ovens and fridges that they go with, right? That helps to reduce overhead because you can get a better wholesale price than that way. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of us did in the, in the industry. If we had like, oh, this year we're going to switch to Amana, right? Or we're going to switch to, you know, General Electric or blah, 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 blah. Um, we were going to get a good deal for it, and we we're going to get a bunch of them at one time, and most of them are going to be the same model. I say all that because I don't know why, in what world, they don't just replace the fucking oven door. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can take, they, the maintenance people would know how to take the oven door off, I would hope, because they've done this before, right? Um, I've taken an oven door off of many ovens before sure. and just replaced that. Um, they crack, um, various reasons, you know. Um, the glass coming off is pretty fixable, but if you want time to fix it, you just replace it with a new part you have in your your maintenance closet, and then you just keep moving on, right? Mm-hmm. And then you re- you repair the one you got, and then that one's basically new, and you can use it for a different one. That's what we always did. You just kind of mix and match parts until you can kind of get mm. to be where you need, right? So I don't know why they would say they would replace the oven altogether. That's a yeah, little silly. That seems excessive. And that seems excessive, but also so time-consuming. Mm-hmm. And every time you bring a big appliance into an apartment, you will always ding the walls up. You will always make a mess. It's mm-hmm. just a mm-hmm. nightmare. I don't know why you would you would do that. So my suggestion to the maintenance technicians would be just replace the door, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, man. Uh, but I would say that there's actually, you, if you take the door off and you put this on some type of table, right? You can use high temperature silicone adhesive hmm. to put it all back together. Now, I sent over a video to Lee, too, that I found on, on YouTube that does go over by step, by step, by step. Works out pretty good. Once you add the silicone uh, high-temperature adhesive, it is going to set really fast. Like, you're going to have, like, a 10-minute window where you can actually apply it mm-hmm. before it starts uh, going bad on you. But then I would add it on. I would smoosh it together, put them on both sides. You know, is always a good idea when we're talking about adhesives, especially like this. 
and then you sandwich it together, get yourself some good clamps, and clamp it down real good. Real good. If you can get a two by four and have it go along the glass, and mm-hmm. then clamp it and have two two by fours with four clamps, I think that would be the best way to do it because then you're getting a nice even pressure the yeah. whole way around. Um, but that would be my my hot take here. Does that all that make sense, Maggie? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I don't like you said. I don't know why they wouldn't just think of that in you know to begin with, but. Um, you know, I think that, like you said, that even just fixing the door itself with, you know, that, that silicone that you mentioned makes a lot of sense. Cause yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a maintenance person. I know that you can replace an oven door. I mean, <laughs> like what? what I think is a little silly about it. And, and, and I don't want to spend the, the whole question yeah. pooping on another maintenance technician, you know, because I don't know. I don't know where they're at or what they're at for knowledge. Or, yeah, But sure. I do think that I would like to encourage people who are fellow technicians in this world to not always go to this solution of like, oh, we'll buy brand new. Mm-hmm. Because like, I don't know, you're missing a huge opportunity. Hey, this is how you kill your budget for the whole year, yeah. right? This is 20. We just started 2023, right? A new appliance right out of the gate? Mm. Well, my God. But like, <laughs> then, then how are you going to pay for the next one? How are you going to help the next person? Do you know what right. I mean? And my, you got to think of that way too. Like, yes, a new appliance whenever possible is good. That's a good thing. But then you don't have that for someone who's in more need, right? Oh, sure. Because as a te- technician, we are not given a full deck of de- cards. We're given 40 cards. And we got to hope that those 12 cards that we don't have are the ones that are not called, right? <laughs> we just got to pray no one wants a fucking, um, um, you know, heart of spades. We got to pray because we don't, we were never given that one. Yeah. So if someone needs that one, uh, would you like a heart of clubs? You know, mm-hmm. that's all I got. So we got to think about it in that term. So as a technician, I think that is kind of like, I don't want to say amateur, but I do think that that is kind of like an inexperienced yeah. thing to say um because i do think that would come back to, to haunt you later in your your quarterly budget as much as i hate <laughs> talking about in those terms but that's yeah. how many technicians yeah. are required to because we're we're so much held accountable by the property management companies about how we go about these things hmm. uh it's fascinating when you peek behind the curtain it's, yeah, just, it's never nice that, that there was so much you know obviously now that i think about it but so much with the budget and like making sure that Always. you have the materials and whatever appliances that you need. Yeah, I would say it would be worth it to walk into the apartment. And also, I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion they never actually looked at the problem. Mm-hmm. I have a sneaking mm-hmm. suspicion they never actually walked into the apartment and took a look. Yeah. Uh, either this was a phone call, call conversation or a text conversation, and they never actually saw the darn thing. Um, because if they did, I would think they could probably just take the door off right there and then go to the workshop, mm-hmm. add the glue, and then wait a day and bring it back the next day. Yeah. To me, it's like a 40-minute job, not even. You know, if you've done it before, maybe a 30-minute job. If you've never done it before, maybe an hour, an hour and a half. But it's worth learning, Yeah. you know. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a very interesting thing when we when we talk about these little nuances. <laughs> um, but, I, Lee, all the power to you. I hope your fur babies are good. Um, <laughs> and I hope they don't have to bring you a new oven. And if they do... Um, you know, maybe there's another reason. Maybe the maybe the oven was just out of date anyways. You know, another part of this that could be that I never actually mentioned is that maybe this oven was already on their list to replace. Mm, that's, that's another true. thing to think about. I don't want to be I I I actually I'm kind of ashamed I never thought about that earlier. Mm. That could be another angle where 
you know, as someone who worked in the industry for a hot minute, right, what we would do, we would have a list of all the model numbers of models we were trying to get rid of. Oh, really? And as we went along, if we were in there replacing a drywall or door or something, we would often go, yeah, that oven could probably go. And then just replace the oven and then Mm -hmm. have a brand new oven going into, you know, whatever. So that could be another reason where they're like, eh, We'll just rep- we'll just give you a new one. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just time anyway. So maybe there's that question, and then I would say that uh, if you are a pet owner, I would say if you're living in an apartment, it's always good to have your creatures um, crate trained, mm-hmm. right? Like both of my cats. Uh, well, one of my cats is really good with a, with a crate. Like we will walk up to the crate and we just hit the back of it, and Nitro will just walk right in, Aww. and he doesn't worry about it at all. Apollo is a beast. Um, but he has one specific bathroom he's mm-hmm. always okay with. So we just put him in that bathroom when a maintenance technician comes over and he's usually pretty good. Yeah. But it is stressful. It's always stressful to have a big ginormous thing like an oven to come in and out of your home. Yeah. Um, but sometimes that is kind of the only route we can take. So I hope that is a thorough, <laughs> well thought out answer. And I hope that it helps you. I send you all my love. Mwah! Hi, my name is Suzanne. I have two questions. Um, but I understand if you can only answer one. My first question is, is I would love to see a demonstration on how to install a home bidet. And second, my question is, um, I have a popcorn ceiling in my rental unit, which belongs to a family member. Um, and I am just wondering, do I need to worry about removing that, the safety of removing that. Um, I get a lot of mixed answers when I'm searching online, and I don't know how you would go about getting it tested for asbestos and the cost of something like that. So those are my questions. Uh, My pronouns are she and they, and um, I think that's everything. Thank you so much. Uh, I really enjoy uh, following you on Instagram. Okay, take care. Bye. Good luck, everybody. I see what you did there, Suzanne. You thought if you were really nice and pleasant the whole time and you were just super bubbly that I would come in here and answer two questions for you. <laughs> and you know what, Suzanne? You're right. You're we're going right. to. <laughs> what a wonderful human being. Uh, first of all, we're going to answer the bidet question and we'll move on to the popcorn ceiling. But let's really tackle the bidet question. Good thing is for you, Suzanne, we actually have a video on how to do a bidet that's already on my TikTok and my Instagram. And you could look on that. You could just type it into the good old-fashioned search bar of either one of those. And you should be able to find them. Just type in Mercury Stardust and then Bidet. And you should be able to find the video. But let's kind of walk through what bidets are out there and and kind of like what you want, what the pros and cons are. Mm-hmm. I am a firm believer that everyone should have a nice um, squishy butt, you know, and I think that everyone, <laughs> I think bidets, once you go bidet, you're just not going to go back. That's okay. True. But bidets are life changing. They are. Um, I love them. Um, but uh, I will say that for a bidet, I, uh, there's a lot of brands out there. I don't want to like endorse a specific brand, but I will say, that um, you kind of get what you pay for. A cheaper bidet is going to have um, a lot of different components to it that are very much more breakable. You know, like, mm-hmm. you, I think you really do get what you pay for, especially for a bidet, because there's so many connection points, and every connection point is a point of failure, right? Mm-hmm. And 
we had a cheaper bidet that was about $35, $40. And about six months in, it gave out. And it gave out in a pretty vicious way. It gave out like it was spraying water everywhere. (laughs) And I thought I messed something up. But no, it's, it's just the... There's a under the under part of it mm-hmm. is what just cracked. You know what I mean? Like, you know, maybe a cat jumped on it the wrong way. Maybe mm. you leaned on it in a little bit different way. But honestly, it's by, uh, it, it's right next to your butt. You know, like the actual major compartment. It's right next to your butt when you're sitting on a toilet. It should hold a little bit of weight. It should be yeah. able to. Those casings should be strong enough to hold a little bit of weight every mm-hmm. once in a while. Um, they shouldn't. You know. I don't know a, a device right there that that vulnerable in the air because those are those toilets attachments they sit right next to the toilet bowl and they're kind of like open in the air and there's nothing underneath them to hold that support so you don't want to lean on them of course but they should be strong enough to handle a little bit of weight you know what I mean mm-hmm. and if they're not they're not going to have issues right like we did so then we we placed it with a much more expensive one, but that one was like 120 bucks. Oh wow! It's a it's an investment, mm-hmm. but I gotta tell you, in the last six months we've had it up, I haven't even had a balk at it. The other one I had to do some casual maintenance on it every once in a while, mm-hmm. and we had to really keep it nice and clean and really mm-hmm. be mindful of it in order for it to work properly. This one, psh, nothing. So I do think you get what you pay for in those ways. I also think that installation. For the more expensive one was really easy. Really? Yeah. The, it, it was It was like, I was, it was less than 20 minutes and I had it in. Nice. The old one took me about two hours, you know? And you could throw it in there that, that the, um, I was still learning how to do a bidet the first time. But I, I think it was mostly because of the components. Everything was plastic mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. steel and copper. And I think that makes things a little bit harder. Nothing wants to yeah. sit right. You know, the thread tape doesn't always line up, those kind of things. So the things you want to think about is, do you want a hot water bidet or a cold water bidet? Because a hot water bidet is going to need access to a sink, right? Um, not all of them. Some of them have a self-heating system. I stay away from that. Anything that's electronic-based, stay away from it. Way more. Yeah, po- I don't know how I would feel about that. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's some toilets that are electronic-based that have no yeah. problem, you know? But I think if you're... I honestly think that for a bidet, for how much they cost and, and et cetera, I don't think you want more points of failure. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think you want electronic components to worry about. Because right next to the water and other things that could go around and a lot of people who are calling us and listing us are renters. I just stay away yeah. from the electronic bidets. Use a sink if you're able to. Or cold cold water is fine. It always seems scary. But most of the water that's coming out of your toilet's at 50 degrees. It's not like... Yeah, we Ten had a degrees. Cold water one. Yeah, cold water ones you don't really notice. I mean, I, I we have a hot water bidet. Never use it. I only ever use the cold water. I wish we just went with that. You know, so like it's it, you always think it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's really not. You get mm-hmm. used to it. And the ones that could change pressure are the best because they like you can make sure it's not like too hard on your butthole uh, <laughs> <laughs> and those kind of things. So basically, you'll have a little bit of um, a T bracket. That will go underneath your toilet um, tank. That will be able to connect a hose that goes to your bidet. And then also goes into your your incoming line from the wall, right? And that incoming line is usually just hooked right up to your tank otherwise. But now you're just going to disconnect it and add that T-bracket. Mm-hmm. And then that you'll have a, a tube that will go from the T-bracket right to your, your wonderful little bidet. 
And that's basically it. It just it's not too bad. The video that we have online will show you how to put the seat on mm-hmm. on top of the bidet. Because you take your seat off, the toilet seat comes right off, and then the bidet goes right on where your toilet seat would be, and then the toilet seat goes on top of that. Um, and sandwiches is in there, and that's how it kind of sits in there nice and well. But if you have a hot water bidet, you also have a, another line that's on that T-bracket that then will run through um, your sink somewhere. Either you got to drill a hole at the bottom of the mm-hmm. cabinet, or if you have an open area, it just goes right to your sink, and you have another T-bracket to hook up, and then you're good to go. But it's, it's fairly straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say... Always have a bucket and paper towels or a towel on, on the side to make sure. And if water starts spraying and everything, you know, um, no, it's okay. It's, it's sprayed on me too. You know, it's natural for those kind of things to happen. And um, I would wear gloves if you're, if you're a little bit squeamish when it comes to working with a toilet and those kind of things. But it's really a, a, fairly, a fairly straightforward install. Mm-hmm. Uh, shouldn't take too long. And if it does, that's okay too. Uh, we all, you know, we're all learning at our own pace and things like that. Uh, it would be helpful for you to have an adjustable um, pliers, though, to have some type of like um, groove joint pliers, you know, commonly known as a channel locks. Having that would change your your entire life when it comes to bidet. It makes it a <laughs> lot easier uh, to undo everything, and maybe even having a really nice, um, you know, flathead screwdriver for your your toilet. Uh, seat and everything too would be good but i think overall i think that's pretty good what do you think maggie did i do a good job in that one excellent I d- i'm so good when it comes to poopers <laughs> when it comes to poopers i think we've covered everything i am so good i know a thing or two about poopers maggie you do you're very good at that <laughs> <laughs> wonderful now let's uh talk about the wonderful popcorn ceiling but here's yeah. the thing we got another question this week that was also about the popcorn ceiling we did so i think we're going to answer um Two people at the same time today. Um, so, Maggie, if you're ready. Yeah, we got a text message from Kim. She says, uh, hello, Mercury. I'm Kim from South Carolina. Just wanted to say first and foremost how much I love you and adore you. I wish you nothing but the best in all the things. I own an 80s ranch and it has the fuggliest popcorn ceiling. No <laughs> amount of vacuuming will help with the dust and I'm over it. Sadly, it seems the ceiling is pretty uneven and patched in some spots. What would be the most economical and the easiest way to remove the popcorn? Or should I cover it? I'm open to that, too. Thank you. We had two great, uh, wonderful, great popcorn ceiling questions. So mm-hmm. to Susan and Kim, we're going to kind of sandwich these together. Because I think the answer I'm going to give is going to cover both of you. Okay. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, when we're talking about safety when it comes to popcorn ceilings, I think it's always important, regardless of when it was made. If it was made in the 1980s or 1950s, I don't really care when. We should always check to make mm-hmm. sure there's not asbestos in it. How do we do that, right? You can go to almost any hardware store, and they're going to have asbestos test kits. Or you can even go to Amazon and get yourself an asbestos test kit. And they're usually running you between 30 to $40 per kit and then like another $30 when you put in the, mm, you know, when, when you actually mail it in and yeah. everything. Um, they're not bad. They're fairly accurate. I would say do at least three areas. I know that's a little pricey, but when we're talking about your safety, I think it's kind of important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would do it in three separate areas in your home, like in, in your in your ceiling. Like, oh, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, do the entry point, do it in the middle, and do it to another side, right? Try to really spread it out. Um, the more, the merrier. 
Um, the test kits are all going to be a little different, but they're all going to involve scraping or in, like some type of like, you know, um, patch or something like that. You'll you'll be able to mm-hmm. take off. But all of that is going to be, you know, whatever the the actual kit tells you to do, do that exact thing. Wear a, a respirator, a mask, or um, P- PPE when you're doing this, mm-hmm. okay? Wear gloves. Do all the safety procedures that you need to. And do not skimp on the safety stuff. I cannot stress this enough. Once you get asbestos in the air, um, it, it can be a thing if you're breathing in and if you're right there, right? Uh, so just be careful. Be mindful. Again, follow the instructions to a T because they're going to want to keep you safe too. Otherwise, you're going to sue the fuck out of that company. Um, but anyways, <laughs> um, I would say the next thing I want you to think about when it comes to popcorn ceilings is that a lot of them are almost requirement to get the ceiling wet. Yeah. So you're going to want to get the ceiling wet when you take it down. Once you get this test back and you know for sure if it's asbestos or not asbestos, if it is asbestos, you're going to want to reach out to a professional who knows what they're doing to take this down. If it isn't asbestos, then it's just a matter of like, well, okay, it's going to still be a pain in the butt. It's not an easy, easier way. Either it's going to be really expensive or really time-consuming and could lead to being really expensive if it's done wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So popcorn ceilings are just a pain in the butt, right? So the next step we want to do is we want to remove everything in that room. And I mean everything. You can sit there and cover everything in plastic if you need to. If there are things that you just can't move, like if you've got an organ in your room or something <laughs> like that, um, you might want to cover it in plastic. And I mean Cover it. I want you to seal that thing tight. Mm. Um, so not just cover it, but like seal it off with tape and all Yeah, that. I want you to like vacuum seal it. Yeah. Like I want you to make it as tight as possible. And I got it. I'm, I'm telling you from experience, if you think that, oh, no, that's a tiny little gap. No, it's going to get in there. <laughs> it's going to get in there. And you're going to have more of a mess than you think it is. Yeah. And trust me, three months later, you don't want to have to be continuously vacuuming to get all that dust from everything down. So get everything out of the room if you can. Move it into another room and know that this is going to be a several-day process, right? This is not, you know, an eight-hour job and you're done. Mm -hmm. No matter how small or big the room is, it's always a several-day, if not a week job, okay? So then you're going to want to get your some type of, like, spray hose situation. You know, you can spray just with water, with a water bottle. That works, too. But whatever you do, you need to soak the ceiling a little bit with mm-hmm. water. That's going to make this process a lot easier. Um, let I've seen s- people using those continuous spray things, so it's like a pump, yes. like a gallon. Yeah, it almost looks like a weed. Up, and then you press the button to spray it. Yeah, so are you talking about mm-hmm. the little, like, the weed? Yeah. yeah it almost like, like, like a- It looks like a chemical sprayer, yes. but you could just get a, a, you know, a plastic bottle, one... Yeah, the they're, they're like 30 bucks. Yeah. They're not that expensive. Yeah. They're totally worth it. It's going to make life a lot easier. If you can't do that, you could do a hose. I've seen people do that. That's mm. a, I always feel like that's a mess <laughs> to me and put it on mist, mm-hmm. you know, but it is, it, you know, be mindful that that is, you know, a disaster waiting to happen, to be honest. Um, but all that being said, uh, that is what you want to do with that. Now, how long that soaks for, that's all, I would say, double check Google. And read some how tos um, and get other perspectives than just mine. But I would say a, a, a hot minute, a couple hours, I would say, let it oh, set. Wow. Um, at least 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but without knowing for sure, I think it's like an hour to two hours they're supposed to wait. And then um, the best way to remove it is with a really good, um, like, uh, uh, drywall knife. 
mm-hmm. right? We're talking like a six to twelve inch blade, and get yourself a nice one that has a nice clean edge on it. And then, because you're going to have a huge mess, I would go and splurge and get yourself a good shop vac. Um, yeah. and then go and and take the 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 tip of the long nozzle right and take the the blade that you got for the drywall knife and duct tape it around the nozzle oh, so the of, hose is connected connected to it yes yeah. so now when you're working off the ladder you're running the hose you're run, you're basically making a, a ventilation and a, uh, you're basically minting a built-in exhaust system yep. for your your um your removal of the popcorn ceiling. That makes yeah. sense. So as you're taking a knife and you're scraping it across the popcorn ceiling, the vacuum itself is going to act as a dust collector and going to grab all that stuff. And that's a huge, I can't mm-hmm. tell you yeah, that that is, that is a huge game changer. Um, but I highly recommend it. A lot of times people will come with specialized tools. So we'll have a knife on a rod that has a dust collector on it. Mm-hmm. This is essentially the same thing, but just, you know, <laughs> low budget you know <laughs> um but yeah i would definitely recommend that and be careful when you're on a ladder if you can have more than one ladder if you can have scaffolding that will helps too scaffolding is always a lot easier you just have someone um hold the scaffolding when you're doing all the work have the vacuum on the scaffolding with you and they could just roll you around if you got wheels on it mm-hmm. uh, makes your life a lot easier a lot faster scaffolding can be rented at any local hardware store for the most part, um, highly recommend. And it's a bonus point to having nothing in the room. So if nothing's in a room, you can get stuff done even faster. The more you plan ahead with popcorn ceiling removal, the faster and easier and less stressful it's going to be for you. Mm-hmm. If that all makes sense. Yeah. You know? That was very thorough. It's very stressful to do popcorn ceiling. Yeah. But the more you plan ahead, you can get you can remove all that in five, six hours. You can do it. You can do it. You just need to have all the right equipment and then having a good support system and people with you, mm-hmm. you know? And I would say don't be like Mercury and take breaks in between. Just keep <laughs> going. I'm serious. Because, like... There's nothing worse than when you're doing popcorn ceiling and then you're like, oh, I want to go eat. Well, you should have ate before. Oh. Ate. Yes. Because you're, you're covered in it. Yeah. You are covered in it, Maggie. And then once you get like all undone. To have you're not going to like, want to get. Yep. Yeah. You're not gonna it's go one of those things there. where you want to take a nice big meal beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you have water and stuff, of course. Take care of yourself. But just know that like stopping will add on another two hours yeah. it is never easy to start back that that project back up so just be mindful of that and i hope that's enough information for you but i'm on fire today i'm like fucking three for three i feel great about these answers light it today. up light it up we're gonna start the new year woo, woo, woo. hey um thanks for all that you do um i'm a homeowner but i tend to follow renter friendly hacks because they're way more cost effective um so it's super helpful even for people who are extremely fortunate uh and are not renting okay so i have a i need some advice which is you know i'll be updating my space very slowly and i do not know where to start so I don't know, like, do you have advice for people that have never been able to update a space before at all? 
and kind of like how to get over the anxiety of putting in something that you may have to live with for a long time. I'm just completely frozen on even doing basic things. Um, uh, no, I'm not the only one. So, uh, again, thanks for all you do. My name is Briggs and my pronouns are they, them. Bye. Well, hi, Briggs. <laughs> That's wonderful. They started so hot. They're like, hey. <laughs> um, I feel like they just walked into a crowded room and just yelled at me. <laughs> Briggs, thank you so much for asking that great question. You know, this actually goes to the core of the, te- the core tenement of what I believe as a technician, and that's intersectionality, yeah. right? So it, intersectionality, if we can bring that to different aspects of society, I think we'll be in a better way if we always think about things in that terms. Because if you're thinking about renters, you're also thinking about people who are marginalized by proxy, similarly mm-hmm. to it, right? And if we think about renters, we're also helping homeowners because a lot of things that are wrong in rentals are wrong in homeownership, right? But if we help homeowners, we don't always help renters. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to keep that in mind. And I really love when people can just understand that and accept it and run with it and know that all because that we're focusing on something doesn't mean we're excluding people, yeah. right? A focus isn't an exclusion. It's a focus for a reason, right? We're trying to help and pinpoint the people who need us the most, and then everyone else is along for the ride, and they're actually supporting me to help people who wouldn't get help otherwise. Yeah. And isn't that wonderful? That's a community. That's a group of people helping each other by just supporting and listening, right? And that's a beautiful way to live. But to answer Briggs' question, how do you start with um, a project like this if you haven't done it before? And Maggie's going to have much more to say about this, too, I think, than I would just. When it comes to, like, projects for a homeownership mm-hmm. i think my personal suggestion would be to stay away from the bathroom <laughs> and stay away from the kitchen right yeah. start in the living room dining room maybe a bedroom mm-hmm. a closet uh start small and get your sea legs as you will right like really think about it in that ways i've told people before when you first move into a home start with the hardware hardware right change the doorknobs Change the, the the light covers, the light mm-hmm. switches. Um, change some of the, the light fixtures if you want, if you're, you feel up to it. You know, do those little things because then you have a first-hand account of every single room. Little, little tiny little things you may not have noticed otherwise. Uh, hardware in the home is often the most beat up. Yeah. And often you will see a huge difference in how you feel and how your home feels to you. When you change out like light covers, light switches, mm-hmm. you know, a register, if you have like, you know, a vent or something for airflow, changing that out would make a big difference too because they get dinged up and covered in paint too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also changing a doorknob and et cetera, all that can go a long ways. So even in that terms, I think that's good too. I think having a firsthand account in how your home communicates to you is good. Yeah. And then... I will also say starting in a smaller room away from plumbing and, and major electrical <laughs> stuff. So um, kitchens and bathrooms are notorious for yeah. nightmare times. And I think they're hard for people to start zero to 60, right? Like I think it's okay to start in a room you don't necessarily want to start in. Like if you have a laundry room or if you have, you know, I would say a second bedroom or anything like that, I think that's a good way. Like, Get your feet wet in those kind of ways. Right, Maggie? 
Yeah. And I would say also, you know, speaking to the aspect of like being more affordable, because just because you can afford a home doesn't mean you can afford to like upgrade a whole, you know, the yeah. entire home. Um, we did a lot of like finding things on marketplace, finding things on the side of the road, finding things at, um, you know, Habitat for Humanity. I think one of the things that we did in our old home was replace the door, the front door, mm. um, to get a little bit more light in, in the home. And we got a door for like $50 at Habitat for Humanity, you know. Um, and so there are like cost effective ways too, if you're willing to kind of like take your time because Habitat for Humanity, you know, things like that aren't always going to like re- resale places aren't always going to have what you need right when you want to do that project. So if you're willing to just kind of go in and browse and see what they have and let that spark your creativity and see, you know, what is there. A lot of it, too, like you said, it's communication with your home, but it's also like kind of finding things out in the wild <laughs> yeah. that you want to yeah. bring into your home, you know, that create projects for you. So, you know, a lot of it is less about like, oh, this is what I want to, you know, do in my home and more about what is out there available to me yeah. that I like that I want to bring into my home and replace. Um, because that's a matter of just whatever is somebody is selling or something, you know, that's at the resale store or whatever. Oh, yeah. Maybe um, 100%. Three stamps yeah. and a public thrust. That's a 100%. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Uh, I think that, I think it, it's important to think about it in the sense of, like, what can you afford mm-hmm. and where do you want to start? And then I would say map it out. Like, Take a notebook or, you know, maybe draw it out. If you have pro, if you're, if you're an artist, mm-hmm. you can make a collage of kind of what you're thinking or draw it out and really lay out exactly how you want it to be. And then think about like different price points. Yeah. You know, like where do you want that money to go? Mm-hmm. And I would say, as a person who is always mindful of this, always think about function before design. Yeah. Always think function. Like, How's that's that? What Nick always says, and I'm like, but, but I like design too. Yeah, but you know, and that's the thing. I think there's always a happy medium it's because a balance. I, I think you can go so far function. It's a gray door with no life to it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that there's a there's a you could argue, you know, a lot of different things. That, oh, this kind of door actually absorbs this kind of heat and will actually reduce your cost. <laughs> you could do all that. That's a hundred percent true. But then you can also have a door that just looks like shit all the time. <laughs> And you don't really think it doesn't fit your personality, yeah. right? Yeah. So be mindful of those kind of things. But I think it's very doable. I think that it is very scary, I think, for people to think about it for the first time. But you always start somewhere. Yeah. And why not start now? Well, and I agree to like to start small. I mean, like one of the things that we did in our home that was that was not very expensive but made a huge difference to the feel was to replace some of those like old, dark, hollow you know, hollow core doors that came in the home because our home was like built in 1960s, our first home, Um, and just replacing them with like white doors, white panel doors. Oh, yeah. was a huge upgrade to the feel of the home with not a lot of cost. And we didn't even have to replace the door frames. We just, we got pre-hung door, you know, or whatever the, um, the doors that already had like the spot for the hinges and the oh yeah, you know, and we didn't well, have to replace the whole frame, just the door itself. I will say though, if you have an older home, it won't always match up though. Yeah, you know, we did have to do a little bit of like you know finagling yeah. here and sanding there, but yeah, I um, think I think doors are good. I think doors can be kind of an intermediate place to start yeah. though. I think that like if you have a nick, 
you're you already have uh <laughs> Maggie's husband is quite like he will figure it out. He will yeah. find a yeah. way to make it work. Um or he's gonna bullshit himself way through the project. <laughs> but like I think that like if you are really truly new, I think starting with paint jobs yeah. and starting with some hardware replacement, I think that is very much possible. Yeah. And once you get a little bit of that that underneath your belt, I think that makes you feel a little bit safer and more secure and gives you the confidence you need to replace a door. Mm-hmm. And then keep in mind that when you're doing bigger projects, you know, you don't need to invest in tools. There's local tool libraries will be helpful, uh rentals, friends, a lot of places if you are if you're on neighborhood, right, that one app mm-hmm. that everyone is so keen on these days that I don't I don't know anything about. I know people do tool exchanges there. And oh, your local buy nothing group too. Your local buy nothing. I don't know what that is, but that sounds good. You don't. I have no idea what to buy. I don't know. They what, started never heard on Facebook, but I think they have their own app now. Um, it's just a group of people. It's limited to your specific neighborhood. So generally, within like like one or two square miles, I think maybe like one or less, um, like a certain area around you, and it's like a barter and trade and just free stuff like. So if you need something, you can post, I need, you know, I'm looking for some hardware to replace, you know, or um, some paint or anything Hmm. like that. Um, And it's also a great place to borrow things. So, yeah, your local Buy Nothing group is all your neighbor, like your immediate neighbors. Buy Nothing? Um, What What is it called? The Buy Nothing Project. Buy nothing. Buy nothing project. Oh, because you're just basically borrowing stuff. Yeah, oh. or, or you're giving it away for free. So instead I of see. donating it to okay. like Goodwill, like a corporate, you know, corporation, you can donate it to your neighbors. That's beautiful. And you can ask for help when you need it. I like so that. Okay, I'll look. That's in- a good resource for homeowners too. I will look into that. I like that, Maggie. Thank you. Also, maker spaces will have stuff too sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so be mindful that those kind of things are out there. And do your research for your own local community and see what you have and what you don't have. And if you don't have one of them, that's okay. You could totally make this work still. Um, people are always out there willing to help, too, if you're willing mm-hmm. to accept some help. So I hope that that helps you. And Briggs, I wish you a very good 2023 and good on your <laughs> adventures. And I hope your home uh, cares as much about you as we care about you. Okay, next one. Um, okay, so we have another text message. Ooh. Hi, a question for your podcast. I live in a rental. It's an old home, over 100 years old. Every time I turn on more than one appliance or device at the same time, like heat is on and I use the toaster oven or I use the vacuum when the oven is on, there is a horrible smell of burning rubber. These things can be on different circuits and I still get the smell. No fuse blows. Is something wrong with the wiring? Will my apartment burn down? Thanks, Handy Ma'am from Lisa. Well, hi, Lisa. First and foremost, um, let's just talk about some some things real quick. Um, I would really strongly advise you to get yourself some fire extinguishers that are in a good space. Not because I'm so concerned you're going to have a fire, but because like when you're dealing with older homes like this, mm-hmm. I don't think you could ever have enough precautions. Um, not because... They're more likely, just, you know, it makes me feel a little safer, right? Um, they, they make these little quick ones that are for smaller fires that could be great for something like this that have a whole, like, they're just like basically ready to go cans. You can get them on Amazon. You can get like a pack of six for a pretty affordable price. We're probably going to get a few for the studio. Mm-hmm. I think that it's really important to think about it that way. 
And I want to lead in that because uh, could this start a fire? I mean, yeah, it could. It could. I'm not going to say your house is going to burn down. I don't think that is true. But I would say um, it definitely is a thing you want, want to think about. And the reason why is because after talking to Maggie and talking to our sound engineer, Matthew, we were kind of talking about how I think this might be an issue of it overloading the um, like like the system is overloading um, more power than it has essentially, right? So, for an example, let's think of electrical boxes and fuses as a sun, right? Like in outer space, it as it ages, it's like a red dwarf. Mm-hmm. It's going to produce more heat and it's going to be stronger, right? But as it ages, it's producing more than it's got, right? So therefore, it kind of dies out, right? That's essentially what is happening with um, a fuse or electrical box. It's going to produce more. But the outlet is not designed for more. Those cords are not designed for more. The plugs are not designed for more. So when you are working and you got an oven on and you got a toaster on or you got an oven and and um, vacuum. a vacuum on or whatever kind of interchangeable system you have here, those cords are getting a lot more energy than they're able to hold. You can problem solve this and find this out for sure by getting a multimeter. A multimeter is an electronic device that basically tells you how much voltage or wattage you're going to get from an outlet. And you can take that, look up the tutorial online, make sure you're using it properly. I recommend a Milwaukee uh, multi um, a multi uh, meter if you can. They're about a hundred and some dollars. You can get one. Um, I think you can rent them out for a fair, very, a fair bit affordable price. But I don't know if that's true or not. And then you want to take it to the outlet, and then just see how much voltage you're getting. And if you're getting, let's just say the standard home is at one twenty. Your oven is going to be at like a two hundred eight or whatnot, maybe a little higher. Um, but if you're if your regular outlets are producing more than 120, if they're at 130, 135, hell, you'll feel it at 125 sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Any more voltage than it can handle. The cords are usually rated for 120 and nothing more, right? So those cords are not designed that like copper in there, that those wires are just not designed to hold that much voltage, that much energy going through them. So naturally, it's going to burn them up and really... Um, that's, that's the smelling, that's the smelling of rubber that I think you're smelling. Mm-hmm. It could also be, if I'm wrong, Maggie, if you can check the message again, is it only happening with the oven or is it happening with other interchangeable things? It's only happening when there are two things going at the same time. Okay. But they gave an example of the oven and the toaster and the oven and the vacuum, right? Um, oh, yeah, they did say yes. the oven both times. So I don't know if it's oven specific. Okay. See, now that makes me concerned because it, if it's. Oh, no. They said uh, toaster oven. So, oh. like, if the heater is on and they use the toaster oven, or if oh. they use the vacuum and the regular oven is on. Okay. So it's two, two different oh. ovens. Very interesting. Okay, so let's talk about drawing power. And we got there's a lot to cover here. So I hope people can kind of hang in there with us for a second because <laughs> this is pretty important, I think. So um, a toaster oven is going to use more wattage, mm-hmm. right? It's going to use about the same amount of wattage like a microwave is going to, right? And if you put a 
that with like a hair blower, right, or a hair dryer, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you, you're definitely drawing a lot of power, um, and you could definitely overheat something, right? Um, but if you're doing a vacuum in an oven and it's still happening, uh, that is a little peculiar. That shouldn't be doing that. So I would say I think I'm right mm-hmm. about the fuse and the electrical box not doing well and it need to be replaced. So it's just too old. Yeah, I think this is definitely something you need to bring up to your landlord and be like, yeah, this is not right, you know, and then you get into a whole lot of, you know, mitigation with your landlord and <laughs> how you communicate this and how you want to do make sure you do it all through email and et cetera or things that can be tracked with texts. Do does she need to like really emphasize the fear of fire and like the burning to make sure that they know, you know, that it's a more emergent situation? Yes, I would say that she definitely wants to indicate the chances of fire. Yeah. Um, I think that would be important, especially because, like, if it's melting. Yeah. Right? Be like That's important here. Uh, Matthew just handed me a wonderful little note here. <laughs> he said, frying of wires will also lead to that possibility. And what we mean of that, like, if, if the wires are frayed... Oh yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if they're not so so here's the thing. Every single time like if you if you ever take the the a plug off of a uh 16 gauge cable, right? And you rewire that plug yourself, mm-hmm. right? If you've ever done that, you will notice that there's a whole bunch of strands of wire in it. Yeah. If 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 you cut those and you remove some of those strands of wire, that means the I'm not great when it comes to terminology, but that means that that voltage is now going through a smaller hole. Oh, okay, sure. and as as, as as and you're you're kind of messing up the um the connectivity of it of the conduit of it. All right, mm-hmm. I'm I'm butchering these terms. <laughs> it makes but, sense. But what I mean by all this is basically you think of electricity going through a pin size hole, and if that pin size hole is consistent all the way across. It's going to have, it's going to give a consistent power and nothing's going to overheat. But if you, for whatever reason, make that hole a little bit smaller mm-hmm. and you squeeze it and that now every time it goes through that squeeze point is making that specific spa- place a little bit fucking hotter. Now, if you go to inside of the cords and if you, the cord got bent or if copper inside of it moved around or if the strands broke or if is there a kink in the wire that's working harder too and that could be fraying inside of it mm-hmm. even if it's insulated it could still be fraying inside of it and that could be doing it too matthew that was a great great uh, baton given right there <laughs> uh, way to open up that door because that's a very good possibility is a cord could be the issue yeah. right now i'm not saying it could be a cord of the appliances it could be a cord in the wall Right, if it's happening. On yes, yeah. It could actually be like one of the lead, especially if it's an older home. Mm-hmm. I would hope that all of it is in conduit, um, but it may not be if it's an older home. It might be an installation instead. I don't really know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those. I think we gave you a lot here, but I would say the fuse could be the problem or the electrical breakers and the whole box could be the issue. One or two of those would go. I think you can replace a fuse for a fairly affordable price and see if that does a trick. But I would almost say I think it's the breakers themselves. But that's just, you know, I'm not 
I'm not a certified electrician. I couldn't tell you for sure, but I, I, I lean towards that route. But definitely something that needs to be looked at ASAP. Yes, by a certified professional, and your landlord should get on board with that. And I hope that, hey, you know, if your landlord is listening to this, if you're able to send this over to your landlord, <laughs> I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for housing this person. They deserve um, your respect, and they also deserve your immediate goddamn attention. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the wonderful Handyman Hotline. If you have any questions or concerns or anything that you want us to answer from maintenance all the way to life, you can text us or call us at the number 608-205-8768. I... Said it, and Maggie looked at me like it's been two weeks. Mercury, I have not, <laughs> I have not thought needed, of it. My brain needed to Hold pull on. it out of the, you know. Let me see if I got it right. I think I know it now. I think I know it. It's, <laughs> we've been doing this for two months. Let me see if I know it. I think our number is 608-205-8768. Holy shit, Mercury! I just, Mercury just unlocked a new level. Things you'll learn every week, you know? <laughs> um, but that being, you can text us. You can call us. Um, please, 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 please. If you have a question, please call us. You are way more likely to get your, your question answered if you call us. But if you are, you know, you're full of anxiety and you got a lot of bees, you can absolutely text <laughs> us instead. And we'll go through as many texts as possible. We are hiring on two new people. And hopefully Yay. we'll be able to keep in contact with people more and answer more questions um, even off the podcast, if we're able to. Um, but, boy, we get a lot of them. <laughs> so, please be patient if you haven't had your question answered. Hopefully, we'll answer it soon. And until next time, remember, you're worth the time it takes to learn a new skill. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us keep the pirate ship alive by supporting our sponsors, the wonderful iFixit. They fight for your right to repair and mix really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides to make your life a little bit easier. It's iFixit's 20th anniversary, and to celebrate, they're offering you $20 off of a purchase of $100 or more with a promo code MERCURY20 through the end of this January. Happy fixing! So grab your hammer and nails and paint your nails if you want to. You're worth the time it takes to be If you enjoyed this episode of the Handyman Hotline, you can listen to an even longer version by supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, $10 or more, you'll be able to get an extra long 30 to 45 minute section every single week. Isn't that amazing? More of me and Maggie. Wow! So thank you so much for all those who already support us, and you too can support us and listen to more on our Patreon. Thank you. Bye-bye.